Welcome to Guest of the Year. I'm the host. My name is Mike. Joining us is the guest setlist curators John Nixon, guitarist and singer of the Grateful Dead tribute band Richard Pictures. The band is a stalwart of the Southern California dead scene, playing places like LA Dead Night at the Old Town Pub and at the Hollywood Bowl opening for the Vampire Weekend. They also recently did the theme music for Grateful Dead-centric audio series America's Dead. Welcome, John. Hey, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks, John. This week's prize pack is provided by Charlie Milkshake. Inspired by Mason, a.k.a. from the Lot's cat of the same name, who is the deadiest cat alive, Charlie Milkshake makes hats, shirts, and stickers. Thank you so much to Charlie Milkshake. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track, and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year their performance is from. Contestants, who are all on a video conference together, can message in their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deadheads standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our returning champion Dean here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the deadheads in a moment. But first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead. sense to run. He's the poor girl's loving. Promise him everything. Why they all believe him? He wears a bigger diamond ring. Alabama, get away, get away. Alabama, get away, get away. Only way to please me, just the guesses are in it was alabama getaway at the stanley theater on november 30th 1979 very fun pick Ooh. john <laughs> wow God, yikes. 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 God. i'm gone no we'll see um john it seems like you uh got a few people here why'd you choose that one uh well one thing is i wanted to get like a set or a show opener in on the set list right so this is sort of classic opener um uh, if i was if i was focused 70s i might go with like uh bertha or something like that right but this one is like killer opener of the 80s which is why i picked a 79 version because oh. <laughs> i wanted to kind of stump everybody which will be yeah. a recurring theme because uh, i've noticed that some people on the show are really really good at this so i you know i i a little clue, maybe I'm trying to trick with some of the with some of the picks, or maybe I'm not. Who knows? Um, 
But uh, also a couple things that I really love about this, like uh, the the terrible balance at the very beginning when, <laughs> you know, they're back there trying to make sure everybody's dialed in and like Brent is way too hot. Um, and uh, that's just such a classic thing on so many tapes, you know, uh, that that I think gets sometimes a little bit lost, not always, but a little bit lost with sort of the pervasiveness now of uh soundboard shows that are making it to cd and stuff like official releases and such um you kind of lose some of that just like wow this sounds awful for the first like 30 to 60 seconds of a song so i think that's just, that's just like really classic also one thing i really love about this is how much distortion like how much fuzz you can hear on phil's bass which like you don't typically think like Phil has this like really plunky, plucky sort of bass tone. That's just his thing, right? Uh, but man, is he laying on that fuzz? <laughs> and it really, it really shines through when the when the mix is not totally dialed in. So those are the things that made me pick this one. Love that chaos. Any rock chaos on the contestants here? <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, John. So only one person got it exactly. It's our returning champ, Dean. Dean is 63 and he's from Los Altos, California. Dean, John did not fool you with that with that one. Uh, how'd you uh, suss it? Well, that was my first year of hearing the, seeing the Grateful Dead live, and uh, it just sounded like that that era that I first heard him in. And I'm pretty sure I had a cassette of that Stanley Theater show, and I probably played it a whole bunch of times. So as soon as I heard that, it just connected to me. 79. So that's that's what got me. Cool. You're on the next round, Dean. So next closest was Glenn, who guessed 1980. Glenn is 59, and he is from Iowa. Glenn, only one year off. Really solid. How'd you figure that one out? Yeah, I actually had 79 written in there uh, and second-guessed myself right at the very end. But but Brent's keys are really distinctive. Uh, that real serious, bouncy Bill bass there. Um, I, yeah, like I say, I had, had it is a 79 and then I just started second guessing and thought maybe early. Were you trying to like hedge against, you know, it's Brent, so you're trying to hedge more towards the middle? A little bit. I mean, like I knew, I knew that keyboard sound was 81 at the latest. And so 80 seemed pretty safe. So it works, Glenn, playing the game. Nice work. Um, <laughs> you're on to the next round. Joining you in the next round will be Richard. Uh, Richard gets 1982. All right. Only three years <laughs> off there. He's from Vegas, and he is 53 years old. Richard, why 82? Ah, uh, yeah, same as what the other guys said. That uh, that super sparkly Rhodes piano, Brent, definitely. I, I thought for sure it was a, a little later than it was. That's that's interesting. 79. So so super early in Brent's time with the the band, right? Yeah. And also one of the other things that I liked about this one, just to try and throw people off the scent is that Jerry sounds a little gravelly. Like he hadn't warmed up his, I don't know what he was doing backstage right before the show, but uh, but like he's not sounding like 79, 80 Jerry. Like in 80, they sound like they're just nailing it, right? The harmonies and everything are just like so, so great. This was just a little dirty. <laughs> and so like me, if I just hear his voice, I'm like, oh, this is probably like 80. 788, you know, just on the voice alone. So, you know, I... I, I hear you that you might think to go later, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Awesome. Well, Richard, nice work. You're on the next round. Oh, great. Thank you. Also on the next round is Jocelyn, 
who guessed 1986, making Andrew the odd man out. Sorry, Andrew. Um, <laughs> but Jocelyn, congrats. You guessed uh, 1986. Jocelyn is from Caseville, Missouri. Cassville. Cassville, shit. I was, I was okay. going back and forth with that the entire week. Every time I saw it. You could have asked. <laughs> okay. It's Cassville. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, why 86? Well, um, same thing. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names. Somebody was talking about Jerry's gravelly voice. Sounded later. Um, it was a little bit speedy. Um, so I think mid-80s for that fast. Yeah, definitely Brent. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, great work, Jocelyn. You're on to the next round. Andrew, I'm sorry. Uh, you're eliminated. You guessed 1989. Andrew is uh, 38. He's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Talk to us, Andrew. Yeah, I guess, you know, props to John. He really, really fooled me with that one. Um, I mean, I knew we were in Brent territory. Obviously, the keyboards are very recognizable. But you know, for a lot of the other reasons, you know, the voice, I, I was figuring it was later. Um, you know, also mentioned the levels were a little off. I, I was also thinking, uh, I mean, the 80s are the period I know probably the least about, but I, I kind of wish I could have said that was the first digit was a typo. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, just purely st strategy wise, it should have gone down from, you know, the latest possible era period, but uh, I would like a redo. <laughs> <laughs> It's taken under consideration. Uh, how, how did you get into the debt, Andrew? Typical story. A lot of people, uh, father's record collection. Um, yeah. Started with, you know, the, the seven, like 1970 records. So. The actual records. Yeah. I'm actually a rarity. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I, I love the studio records actually. Um, but a big live listener too, but yeah. What's the percentage you would say? A pretty even mix, but I do find, I mean, as a guitar player, obviously just as a hobby, I, I find myself going, going back to the most pristine of the recordings for, you know, certain licks and stuff. So that you can emulate them? Yeah, or just, you know, play along with and stuff like that, yeah. John, you're a guitarist, obviously. Did the Dead Studio albums kind of help you learn the repertoire? I mean, like, when I first started playing guitar, I, I was like, I, I had a really funny, like, I, my first two Dead albums were in this order, the self-titled, and then um, two from the vault. And I have this, like, I have this sort of theory that, like, whatever the first thing is that gets you into the Dead is, like, kind of the stuff that remains your favorite. So, like, I always, like, for years, I was like, how could people like mid 80s stuff? You know what I mean? But then it's like, I met, I met all these people who were like, well, I saw them in the mid 80s and it was incredible. Like, how can you not like that stuff? So I think that there's a lot of like, uh, not division, I would say, but like you you often gravitate to, towards those things that you started with. So yeah, man, I started by playing like these super fast, like speedy psych rock riffs from the first album, you know? And I was like, as some of those, some of those solos, I'm still like, that's one of Jerry's tightest solos. Right. So like, you know, yeah, I got a lot of love. I, I totally understand that. Awesome. So Andrew, now that I've got a studio album guy on the show, I have to ask, what is your studio album of choice? Uh, probably working as man, working as that. But uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hardcore blues fan. So like the live stuff I love 
pig pen era is my favorite obviously and just even even just the earliest of the earliest is you know probably some of my favorite stuff a lot of harmonica and the the vox organ stuff like that so yeah um andrew thanks so much for doing the show yeah thanks a lot guys richard jocelyn dean and glenn are on the next round john's got another tasty pick for them let's hear it the guesses are in it was they love each other at oklahoma city fairgrounds arena on october 19th 1973 john uh why'd you choose that one a couple reasons the first is that right now i'm on my kids spring break and i'm out in the desert i'm i'm from los angeles and uh i'm out in the desert and there's a there's a guy out here who goes by uh his lot name is two bit piece and uh Last year, a couple of years ago, did like a whole did a whole run of these shirts from this show in '73 in Oklahoma, and it was one that's like right in the thick of like I love '73. I think it's my favorite year, um, but it was a show that I just wasn't super familiar with, um, and so I checked it out and just was like, oh man, this is so great. Um, so it's a little homage to to him being in the desert. I have one of those shirts. I should have been wearing it right now. I can't believe I didn't, but. Uh, so that's that's part of it time and place but then secondarily i love the fast uh like 73 they were playing the song fast like they slowed it down right away but in 73 they're doing it i don't know this for a fact but uh i feel like they were they had been covering second that emotion right and to me the fast they love each other is just jerry like trying to write second that emotion. (laughs) You could could kind of just start playing one and like sub in the riffs for the other, like at any given time. And when we play this song, uh, when Richard Pictures plays this song, we do the fast version because it's just like, it's just so, it's just so killer. And trying to, trying to do those turnarounds fast is harder than it seems. You could even hear they, they lost it for a second in there and then got it right back. 
Um, it's tough. That's probably why they slowed it down after that. But uh, but I just love this one. And I love when it pops up on 73 set list. It's just so killer. I'm sad that they didn't keep it going fast for years after that. Does Richard Pictures mostly play at the 73 pace? I would say that we play 73 or earlier, almost exclusively. Um, and, unless we're playing like, you know, Touch of Grey or like, uh, you know, like later ones that are like, you know, crowd pleasers from from later on. But uh, but typically we, we keep it pretty early. That's what all of us, that's what informs all of us. And so we we stick with that. Awesome. Yeah, when I saw you guys in uh, Ojai, you opened with Not Fade Away, which was a sweet uh, early opener. It was great. Um, yeah, good show. <laughs> that, was, that was a really good show. It's up on SoundCloud. I was listening to it the other day. Um, thank you, John. Well, last time you fooled everyone. This time you did not fool anyone, really. Uh, yeah. Everyone guessed 73 except for our returning champ, Dean. So Dean's eliminated. A total. Uh, Jocelyn, Richard, and Glenn all guessed 73. Dean guessed 74. Um, wild curveball there. Um, <laughs> props to everyone. Okay, so Richard, start with you. 73. Yeah. What'd you hear there? Oh, I just, you know, like John was saying, just that speedy version, that, that jangly version of it. I just, you know, I, I thought that was probably the year I was hearing. They, they, have, they have like some different words in there too. Isn't there like another? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bridge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's wacky. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Really cool. Great choice. Cool. Jocelyn, you also guessed 73. You're also on the next round. Uh, anything you want to add to the breakdown? Um, I just heard that there was one drummer. You know, I've been listening. I've been listening to your show all day. And all day, I have been thinking Billy is two drummers. <laughs> and he almost did it to me again. Just right there at the end, I was like, wait a minute, was that two? <laughs> so I'm really glad that I, I stuck with my first instinct and went with 1973. Well, as the great Todd said, in 73, it sounds like Billy has uh, eight arms and eight legs. So you're, yeah, you're not absolutely. crazy for it. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a great, I don't, maybe it's in Billy's book, but uh, there's like this great thing where, he, you know, he kind of learned with Jerry to play, right? That's like, he, he didn't really know how to play drums that much. He was just like in the band early on in Palo Alto or whatever, when they were doing like bluegrassy stuff. And and he was like, well, how do you want me to play, Jerry? And Jerry just said, like, don't stop hitting drums. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm just like, I'm with you, Jocelyn. Sometimes I can totally be fooled. And like, Billy sounds like two to me. I'm just like, what is going on with this man? How does he do that? Yeah. And uh, I don't think anybody really knows except for, for him. So <laughs> it's crazy. Glenn, you guessed 1973. Nailed it. How'd you suss that out? Well, I knew it right away. I mean, it sounds very much like, you know, like the Frost first, uh, they love each other. It's got that speed. But I almost I almost second-guessed myself completely out of it uh, because right at the very end, I started thinking Keith sounded like later Keith to me. Like I started here in 78. Like I, my mind started playing tricks on me. And I'm like, I had to like hold myself. Glenn, they didn't. I, that's what I was doing. I was like, did they play it fast at all? later and i had to keep telling myself no glenn they didn't they didn't <laughs> so i almost lost it there <laughs> what was keith doing that scream 78 at you i don't know he's just it's a it's a this term doesn't 
I, I love his playing later, but it, it's it's blockier or clunkier a little bit. Uh, and I started hearing that, just a sort of uh, chunky kind of chords. Great work, Glenn. Dean, so you guessed 74. I mean, everyone just got it. You didn't really it was do anything close. wrong. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like Jocelyn was talking about the drums, and my son Jeremy, who was on a couple of shows, he's always talking about listening to the drums. And I'm listening, listening. Yeah, that's one drummer, I think. And, uh, and then the fast they love each other was a, was a short thing. And uh, I didn't know how short. But 74 is pretty close to 73. Yeah, what are you gonna do there? You know. Yeah. Well, Dean, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back to defend your title. That's a really tough way to go out, but uh, it's <laughs> sure been a pleasure is. listening to you. And uh, you clearly it clearly runs in the family. You guys are both very impressive. You and Jeremy, that is. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Richard, Jocelyn, and Glenn are fighting for two spots in the best of three series to win the Charlie Milkshake Prize Pack uh, from our very own Prize Pack curator Mason. John has another good one for you guys. Let's hear it. So it must have been the roses at Shrine Auditorium on October 15th, 1976. John, lovely pick. Uh, why'd you choose that one? I mean, I love Jerry ballads. Like I've heard uh, people say before, like, oh, this is like a beer and bathroom song. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, that's crazy. No, 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 man. You're like, they're slow. And they require so much focus from the band hitting those harmonies, which like, let's face it, like they rarely absolutely nailed. But here's a case where like they are nailing roses. Nobody messes up the maybes or must have bins, right? Like they're on it. Donna's in there. Sounds great. Like everybody's, it's just like balanced and it's lovely. And I'm very partial to shows that the band played at the Shrine. I think I told you, like the first live thing that I had was two from the vault, which is 68 at the Shrine. Um, 
like uh, you know there's a lot of sort of bad juju between uh la and the dead i think people often often think about it and like i actually i actually think that's thrown out by how well they always played at the shrine through through the 60s and 70s it's just incredible shows so uh got a lot of love for that one and uh man like i was real torn between like have them hitting the harmonies or when jerry comes in and has to play just one of those like sweet sparse solos over those that progression man it's just like that stuff just totally kills me you know i, I just like sometimes almost on the verge of tears of the song like this when he's really at his best you know so just a lot of love on this one awesome thanks john okay so um richard guessed 1978 and glenn and jocelyn both guessed 1974 so everyone's on to the next round no one's on oh, nice. <laughs> uh, wow. This is a dramatic game so far. I love it. Uh, Jocelyn, we'll start with you. You, you guessed 74. What'd you hear there? Well, I thought I heard only one drummer. Then I heard Donna. So that happens in 1974. <laughs> Makes sense. There you have it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't hear Mickey in there. They must have just been totally in sync, which is like, the best thing to see live, yeah. those two guys totally in sync like that. It's beautiful. You're 100% right. And also a song like this, it's slow. Like Mickey has to dial it back. You know, there's yeah. like, he can't do all his, his like crazy, crazy rhythms all over the place. He just has to sit there and like lay in the pocket. And you're right. It sounds like there's one drummer. It's like nothing better. Well, Glenn, it seems like you thought there was one drummer as well. Cause you guys 74. I, I definitely didn't hear a second drummer, but I also, I mean, it's, it's a lot harder for me on, on a ballad like that, you know, like John says, Mickey really lays back. And so that didn't affect me too much. Um, I was, I was all over the place between 74 and 79 there. The vocals here, he just, Jerry just sounds so young that I went early. Well, um, yeah, so Richard guessed 78. Talk to us, Richard. Yeah, I, I was struggling. I, I, I'm glad I waited to the end to put in my uh, my pick because uh, I wasn't sure. I was thinking maybe Radio City, 80. I was almost leaning towards Brent on the piano, but then I, at the end I heard Donna, and I was like, okay, it's got to be Donna here. And I just, yeah, threw out 78. Awesome. Well, everyone's on to the next round, which is my favorite thing. And before we go, though, John, could you tell us how you got into the dead? And how you ended up being the Jerry of a, you know, a great tribute band. Wow. Those are two. I mean, obviously I'm a loquacious fellow. I could talk about those things all <laughs> night, buy me a couple beers, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, it's funny about the dead getting into the dead, man. Like, uh, uh I'm from New Jersey and, uh, every year my parents would take me in and my older brother down the shore in New Jersey. Uh, to this town called Stone Harbor. And in Stone Harbor, there were just like, <laughs> I mean, it's this is crazy. You know, this is like a town, it's, a, it's sort of a, a vacation town. And anyway, long story short, there's like tons of these t-shirt shops in town. And of course, you'd expect them to all sell like Stone Harbor, New Jersey shirts with like, you know, like uh, seashells on them or something like that. But uh, in, at the time that I was going down there as a kid, this is like maybe 93, 94, you know, and, and on through like the late 90s. Um, 
those shops had just all been taken over by like deadhead kids who came down every summer and just like created this own little subculture <laughs> down the shore. And all of the shirts were like not Stone Harbor shirts. They were just like all liquid blue dead shirts. <laughs> and like everybody's in there, like they're just selling, you know, like uh, uh, devil sticks and hacky sacks and, <laughs> and patchouli and stuff like that. And I just remember like, I was my buddy uh, a buddy who i grew up with his family also would go down there and like we would meet up we'd same week every year we'd meet up and we'd go to these shops and we'd like do devil sticks and we just thought these were the coolest kids ever uh and i was i was down there in 95 when I, like the week that jerry died and it was like i remember how devastating it was to the entire city <laughs> it was crazy man and I, by that time i was in and uh and uh just didn't look back but uh yeah, getting into the the dead band, um, I'll make this, I'll try to make this one shorter. I played in a bunch of bands and I was in this band called Falardo. Uh, and some of my bandmates, um, a guy named Ryan Adliff, who I'd been playing with for a long time, and another one um named Aaron Olson, who's playing bass. Uh I was on drums at the time. Aaron's on bass, Ryan's on guitar. And uh we start talking. Aaron, Aaron comes to practice one day and he's like, you know who I heard? the other day and I was surprised I like loved it and I didn't know who it was and then like somebody told me and I was super surprised like who is like the Grateful Dead and we were like what you've never heard the Grateful Dead he's like I loved it I couldn't believe how much I loved it it sounded so much like the birds and I love the birds why wouldn't I like this band he was like you know what we should do we should start a dead cover band but we play at all the same like warehouses and art spaces and all ages places and we don't tell people that we're a dead cover band and we totally blow their minds because they'll love it. And then we'll tell them and they'll all be like 15 year old punk kids who think that like they know everything. And then they're just their heads will explode and their faces will melt. And uh, I was like, yeah, like, let's seriously do that. And I will play guitar in that band. <laughs> this is like the assignment <laughs> of a lifetime. <laughs> and so the three of us uh, started that band and quickly got our uh, our buddy Jake Longstreth in uh, on the second guitar. I played guitar he plays guitar ryan moved to keys aaron stayed on bass and we were sort of the the original crew and then we had other uh other folks come in uh christine bobel came in kind of did our she's she's in the scene she's like a lot person she came in and just did so much cool stuff uh she's sort of our donna and then we've cycled through a bunch of drummers over the years and other guitarists and such too um uh at the end of the show I'll call everybody out, but um, good folks, good times, lots of fun. I mean, and 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 the party just keeps on rolling. So your goal is to surprise people with Grateful Dead music. How long did that last before people, you know, began to know what to expect? Like a few years. It was great. And then obviously like some like deadheads start coming because they know who you are and whatever. But like you're still playing at like this small like art space or whatever where kids are just gonna come and uh and they would come and they had no idea what was going on why is everybody dancing <laughs> it was uh yeah those are great those are great shows so could you see them go from bewildered to like oh this is pretty good yeah totally i mean and, and again we played a lot of stuff that's like 60s dead at that time too like really deep in the psychedelic stuff so they're like this is great like you know it's like loud and it's driving and it's crazy and then we're like it's the dead and they're like oh my god all right so you just decide to pivot to grateful dead music how long does it take to learn all those songs 
I knew all the songs. I like I'd been playing dead music since I was 12 years old, right? I learned the guitar listening to dead albums or just putting headphones on and just like seeing what I could do. So like I just played like Jerry from uh, like I mean obviously I'm not as good as Jerry Garcia, but like like that style, like all of like his his guitar idiom was stuff that I just like baked into my own playing like really early on. Um and and I can't like get rid of it. Just why I was playing drums because nobody wanted a Jerry Garcia in their band for years. Uh, and I was like, I guess I got to play drums for a while. People want that more than a Jerry. And then suddenly they were like, well, we need a Jerry. Here, I was there in the right place at the right time. Cool. Thanks, John. Well, everyone's on the next round. And John has another great song. Let's play it. Right, the guesses are in it was cassidy at boston music hall on june 9th 1976 back to back 1976ers <laughs> from john i knew that john is wheeling and dealing over here uh talk to us john uh so i love cassidy cassidy's such a weird song but why i picked this twofold uh, one june 9th is my birthday so i i wanted to get a birthday show in there have very Gemini energy on this because like, I think I'm of the strong opinion that uh, Cassidy is one of these ones that is best when it's uh, when you have the two like really strong harmonies going like the whole way through. And this is one of these shows where like so many people out there can hate on Donna and like, you know, the playing in the band howls and all of that stuff. But like, Tell me that you could listen to a Cassidy without Donna singing those tight harmonies. And this is a show where she's like really on. Obviously, she could hear herself, which I know is always a problem for her. Uh, she can hear herself. She's nailing the harmonies. They sound so good together. It's just like lockstep. And when Cassidy is like that, man, the rest of the band follows suit. Um, this is a good one to listen to all the way through. It's not like the best Cassidy of all time. Uh, but it's uh, it's definitely 
it's like at the peak of when they were playing the song, which was, I mean, you know, it's a weird song, comes on an album in 72. They don't debut it till 74, one time, and then they let it ride till 76. They have a little hiatus in there. And then they start playing it for real. So they had obviously been practicing Cassidy right then when they were playing this. So 76 is kind of like the, the peak of this song for me. Well, everyone guessed 77. <laughs> That's also a good year for Cassidy. <laughs> uh, Glenn, did you think it was 77 or did you think there wouldn't be two 76s? I thought there wouldn't be two 76s. <laughs> I really, I really second guessed myself on it again. And, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it had that the tempo of '76, and yeah, Bob and uh, Bob and Donna sound really, really good together. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of went with what I thought was a safer bet, and was wrong. Yeah, that was only the second repeat in the history of Guest of the Year. <laughs> Jocelyn '77 as well. I actually have that show. It's one of my most listened to shows. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it sounds like that 76 show in Boston. And, and then I was like, but they wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'll say 77 when it's close. <laughs> so they, they keep that momentum for the entire show? Yeah, I'd say so. It's a great show. I'm I'm a Gemini also, so it, it's not exactly on my birthday, but it's really close. So I think of it as a birthday show. I listen to it a lot. Well, I used to. I actually haven't listened to that. Those I don't listen to my tapes hardly at all anymore because of the archive. So I actually haven't heard that show in years. So anyhow. <laughs> but the tapes are still around? They in storage? Yeah. Well, I've been giving them away, but yeah, I still have a bunch of tapes and CDs. How do you decide who to give the tapes to? Uh, it's pretty random. I go through a decluttering phase and I find a bunch of tapes and I package them up and then I go on the internet and say, who wants these tapes? <laughs> and send them to whoever sends me their address. No way. Yeah. Uh, what site do you do this on? <laughs> I've done it on both Facebook and Reddit. Yeah. I mean, I'm not listening to them because of the archive. So, you know, people like them. So, yeah. Are they uh, colored and stuff? Some of them are. Yeah. Not by me. I mean, I am an artist, but, but yeah, I've never done the tape covers and stuff, though. So. Awesome, Jocelyn. You're on to the next round. And Richard, also 77, kind of thinking the same thing as these two? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You thought it was 76? You're like, no. Uh, yeah, I just wasn't sure. I was struggling again. I almost said 78, too. I, I wasn't sure. So I just put, tried to play, say, 77. Great. This is so fun. Everyone's on in the next round. John's got another song. Let's do it.
Well, if you've listened to the show at all, you know these interesting selections in terms of point of the song couldn't possibly be me, and you'd be correct. John gave me all the timestamps, and all of these uh, clips are completely him. This one in particular was New Potato Caboose at Shrine Expo in L.A. on November 10th, 1967. Another great choice, John. Why did you choose that one? All right. This is one of the places where Jerry Garcia and I sort of diverge, I would say, in taste. He always really maligned the song New Potato Caboose. He thought it was just like, it's not really a song. He always said things like, on the record, he would be like, oh, well, yeah, if you want to talk about not songs and stuff like that, talk to Phil about New Potato Caboose. <laughs> like, And I totally disagree. I love the idea of New Potato Caboose, which is totally a Phil song. Where obviously what he did was just came up with like, there, there's like five or six parts. And it's just like, we just are going to go way out. And then when we like bring it back to this, you'll kind of hear one person will do this thing. And then we got to be on it to hit that part. And then we get weird again and we do our thing. And then somebody's got to hear the cue and you got to get back and do it. That's a really difficult way to improvise because it's very free, but then it's really constricting and then really free and really constricting, which is such a fill thing to do. It's all it's all in his head, you know, um, which I, I can see why Jerry Garcia wouldn't like it. And I do have this dream someday of playing new potato caboose, but you got to get a whole bunch of people who all have all of those parts memorized really well and are very ready to listen for cues in the middle of free form jamming. It's exceptionally hard, man. So I love this song. It's like always been a favorite of mine since I was a kid. I, I had to bring one on. I'm fascinated by Phil cueing people, but I'm, I can't pick it out. What, could you tell me what you're hearing there? You, I think if you listen to this song a thousand times, you'll know exactly what you'll hear them every time where there's just like a little turn of phrase. Somebody starts hitting this one riff and it's like, obviously Phil was like, well, guys, when I start playing this riff, y'all got to get in there and like do it right. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and they did, man, they did for a few years there. And then they just fully dropped it. They were like, we don't want to do that anymore. That's like, that's not what we're going to try and do. Uh, which always made me a little sad because I love that. Man, what if the dead was like, what if they had been doing that like one or two songs just like through the whole, you know, life of the band? It's hard to do though, man. And I think they knew that and they were like, we just want to like have a little more fun than this, Phil. <laughs> wow, uh, I love that perspective on that song. Thanks, John. Everyone guessed 1969. <laughs> Well, this is the wonkiest game ever. Uh, Jocelyn. We're going to play all night. I know. Uh, <laughs> Jocelyn, uh, what, um, yeah, what'd you hear there? 69. Um, it was very early. There was a lot going on in there. I just knew it was early. I almost second guessed myself and said 1967. I said, no, 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 no. That's how you go wrong. Don't second guess yourself. <laughs> this is kind of ironic. <laughs> well, you're, of course, on to the next round with everyone. Uh, Glenn, also 1969. Yeah, I was I was thinking it sounded sort of 68-ish. Uh, I thought the recording sounded too, too clear for a 67, so I wasn't quite going that early. And, yeah, I don't know. They just sounded so tight. They're so good that I was thinking, you know, they've been doing it a little longer maybe. But, yeah, I mean, that's amazing to think that's 67. 
Yeah, I think there's a selection bias on this show. It's almost like a tip for anyone who's going to be on the show. It's like if you're hearing a song in the 60s, it's probably earlier than you think because there's a selection bias of good audio in the 60s when we're choosing songs. Mm. Richard, you also guessed 69. Yeah, yeah. I just I heard that tone. It's, it almost sounds like you know the instruments are a little out of tune and just just sounded old. So I, I, I thought it's got to be 60s. And uh, yeah, I just shot in the dark 69, just went with 69. Cool. Everyone's on the next round. <laughs> this is great. Let's hear it. And I see Rose, Gonna get there. I don't know. Seems a common Spoiler alert, not everyone guessed the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) It was Row Jimmy at Madison Square Garden on September 18th, 1990. John, jump into the 90s there. Nice choice. Yeah, I thought it was nice to make the hop from 67 to 90 (laughs) just to throw people's ears for a loop. Um yeah, I mean, Road Jimmy is just one of these songs that just stayed really consistently good, I think. Um, there's something just like about the, it, it's another, it's kind of a weird song, this like sort of faux reggae thing that they're doing. And I think sometimes when they have to think a little bit more about a song, it like snaps everybody too. So you get like songs that remain like really consistently good all through the 70s, 80s, 90s. And uh, and this one I just like really love. There's this like moment where Vince is like starting to get into like some like sort of 
Uh, I've heard people describe it as like Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, and like Jerry just like pops in and, and sort of leads Bobby to do this like guitar back and forth where they're doing like these like muted like and jerry's playing with the delay tails it's like you know like and they're just like it's so cool how it locks together and they just kind of like push vince's thing to the side and actually suddenly you can sort of hornsby is like oh yeah man this is great and suddenly he's like i'm engaged again with this thing so it's kind of one of these cool moments where like in that era when they could sometimes just all fall into their own like worlds they like obviously all just sort of brought it together and that's why i picked that part of the song too because uh, that's when it happens for me awesome okay so jocelyn was closest she guessed 1991 she's on to the finals way to go jocelyn one year off one year north of 1990 nice pull how'd you figure that one out um i was stumped there for a while really <laughs> Well, I was trying to key on the um, on the vocals, and I couldn't tell who I was hearing. Then I suddenly thought that I heard Bruce, and so that's why I went with 1991. Smart. I mean, Bruce like keys, not the vocals. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So, Smart move. I mean, I'm sure right. he was singing too, but yeah. It was it was his third show, I believe, second or third wow. show. So you were yeah. you were right to like 91 makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Nice pull, Jocelyn. Great, you're on the next round. Joining you is Glenn, who guessed 92. Richard guessed 93. Richard, no, one, no one's gotten six songs into the game before and uh, not made it to the finals. I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> That's all right. Glenn, <laughs> um, you, uh, yeah, you guessed 92. That, that was really hard. That was, that was a great pick. Uh, and it, it just sounded so good. I kept, at one point I was just listening, there was so much going on. And I was like, I oh, know Glenn, you got to try to figure this out, you know, cause I was just enjoying it. Uh, I honestly wasn't sure if I was hearing Bruce or not. Uh, I mean, I thought so, but it didn't have that kind of classic grand piano sound. And I thought is, is Vince actually doing a piano kind of thing there? And so then I thought, uh, Jerry's voice is, was sounding pretty old to me. So I, you know, I was thinking 90 or 91 if it was Bruce, but I thought, well, maybe early 92 based on his voice. Totally reasonable. Um, nice work. Way to go, Glenn. Richard, again, like I said, tough, tough, tough go. You did, you did so well. Uh, you guessed 93, one year off the pace. Uh, why 93? Uh, yeah, I just, I, you know, uh, after listening, I heard Vinny, I heard, you know, Vince and uh, just the mix. I just thought, again, it's probably mid-90s, but yeah, I never... Never would have guessed it was, you know, right after, right after Brent, right? 90. Yeah. Great, great, great pick for sure. So you are from, are you, are you from Vegas? No, I'm originally from Cincinnati. Yeah. And I, uh, I got, I moved out here in the eighties, but I got to see, see the great, my first Grateful Dead show there at Riverbend in Cincinnati in 1986. And then, uh, my family moved out West here to Las Vegas and got to see a lot of, uh, Las Vegas, the west coast shows and got to go back to the midwest for a bunch of shows i had a nice run with the band think dearly of them miss them <laughs> miss those days for sure you weren't at those sam boyd shows. Uh, oh yeah every every one of them yeah no for shit. sure for sure yeah starting with carlos and you know santana opened up for those two days with bill graham and then 95 i don't remember if it was uh dave matthews or that opened up, but 
you know, Sting opened up, Traffic. Um, who else am I missing? There's one other band that opened up. Yeah, they were they were a lot of fun. Those were some great years. Outdoors, hot, you know, outdoor stadium shows, but they were fun. Whenever I see a Sam Boyd show on Relos and I just go to it, for some reason, they all kind of hit. Yeah, those they were fun. Beautiful years. How did you initially get into the dead? I got into the dead originally from my older brothers. Yeah, I had two older brothers that really liked the band, and uh, one collected a lot of tapes and actually did some taping, and then my other brother took me to my first concert. So, yeah, they introduced me to it. Great, Richard. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. Great hearing everything you had to say. Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Great thing you got going. Thanks for letting me participate. Good luck to everybody. Thanks, Richard. All right. Glenn and Jocelyn are competing in a best of three series for the Charlie Milkshake prize pack. Let's play a song. the guesses are in birdsong at cole field house which is on the university of maryland campus on march 7th 1981 john nice pick uh why'd you choose that one um i grew up like i told you very into 60s dead super into like the early to mid 70s i always thought late 70s was fine i mean obviously like don't get me wrong. I've come around to a lot of it. I'm talking about my younger self when I was like first into it and very opinionated about these things. But man, did I like, I just never like eighties Brent, I was out as a kid. Uh, and then somebody like introduced me. I had always heard like reckoning and reckoning is fine, but I heard the record of reckoning, right? Not like the tour. Um, and while this isn't from that tour, uh, it was that tour, the second set of it when like Brent is just like, He's subdued with all the crazy like sounds that he would put on to like MIDI sounds that he would put onto the keys, which happened a lot more later as they got into arenas. Much more subdued, electric piano, regular piano, uh, and like his harmonies are so good. And he's like just joined the band in those years, and they're all so tightly practiced, like they're just nailing it for these two years. And like that stuff 
when I, when I first got really exposed to those years, I was like, man, this is like peak stuff in like 73, 74 to me. Like the, just the singing is great. The playing is great. They're just all so locked in and seem so happy to be there. So I wanted to get something from that time in here. And Birdsong is one of those ones that just like, it's basically always good through like the whole run of the band. Like even when they meander and it's like not that good, it's still really good because it's Birdsong. So I wanted to get one in there. Full disclosure, I did pick this point in it and this recording of it because you kind of can't hear that much of Brent in it. He's laying way back. And so that kind of Jerry playing could be from 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, or 80 or 81. You could be totally thrown off because Jerry was playing like that. Those fast notes, those big like flights of notes on Birdsong, like, it's, it's peak Jerry, right? But it's at the end of sort of, in my mind, like that really like deep psychedelic peak when his playing was so... Ah, so dialed in. So to all the remaining Brent skeptics out there, just go to 80 and 81 and just like get just dive in. You're gonna be very surprised at what you find. So you'll trade like the uh token gravelly lead vocal kind of like sp- spots for Brent for his tight harmonies. Well, there's like not that many of those in 80 and 81. He's not doing gentlemen start your engines, I don't think, <laughs> at that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like, what I mean. Yeah. But like we're not getting it, yeah. we're not getting that stuff yet. Um, and like it, you know, people love that stuff. Like it's 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 still not totally my cup of tea. And and someday I may come around, but like I'm fully forgiven, Brent. I think he's just an incredible player and an incredible singer. And I think that they did a lot of really great stuff with them. Love it, John. Uh Glenn got it exactly 81. Jocelyn guessed 85. But Glenn, you got it exactly. How'd you how'd you figure that out? It was another tough one. Uh throwing us through for a loop with a couple of these without any vocals. And then yeah, Brent's really buried in the mix there. Um, what I ended up thinking was, and I, I mean I certainly didn't know this, but I, I was at that show. <laughs> so <laughs> and, and what I was thinking was it sounds almost like an early 80s Garcia band like without without Brent and uh, I didn't hear a lot of Phil there either really it sounded like uh, the way Garcia in the early 80s did his own shows would just get kind of noodly there and uh, so I went with 81 and and lucked out really it's a tough one well that's a great segue how did you get into the band and eventually find yourself at that show so it's kind of a typical uh, you know story of being turned on my bro- by my brother uh, mid seventies, I was, uh, you know, young teenager, mostly listening to like the Allman Brothers and the band and Dylan and, uh, barred or stole my brother's copy of American Beauty. And, uh, it was really like that last scene in Freaks and Geeks where I forget the character, but she ends up just dropping the needle on Box of Rain over and over and over. And I did that. Uh, wow. And then I got, uh, Live Dead and the Dark Star opened up whole worlds and got Europe 72 and played, uh, yeah, that third LP just, you know, wore the grooves out on that. By the 81 show, I'd seen five or six shows and a friend reminded me recently that uh, I had dragged a lot of my friends to that show and turned a lot of people onto, um, onto the dead at Coalfield House. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have a lot of favors owed to you, Glenn. That's a 
Hell of a show to bring people to. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, you're going to go up one zero in the series. Jocelyn, you guessed 85, as we discussed. Not a lot of clues there, or a lot of deceptive clues there. Why 85? Well, I knew I knew I was hearing Brent, but he was like, he was really far back in the, it, it took him a while for me to hear him because he wasn't really up front um, much at all. And because of that, I should have gone earlier. <laughs> but even if I had gone earlier, I probably wouldn't have gone any earlier than maybe 83 or so. But yeah, with, there were so few clues in that clip. I just, yeah, I just knew, well, it's 80, so I'll just go right in the middle and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see, understand the tactic totally. Jocelyn, how'd you get into the dead? Um, so I went to Fountain Valley School which is where Bob Weir met John Barlow. And um, everybody there was listening to the dead. There were a lot of people who were there because it was, you know, because it was Fountain Valley, you know, because um, Weir and Barlow had been there. So yeah, there were a lot of very hardcore deadheads there. Lots of tapes going around, started listening to them. I didn't get to my first show though until I was in college. and. Um, I um I wasn't you know I wasn't I wasn't as much of a deadhead until that first show. <laughs> I mean I was listening to music mostly studio albums. I had a couple tapes I think, um, uh, really early tapes if I remember right. But anyhow, um, I was an art student in college and I went to this concert and um, I kept going, what are these guys doing? what is going on here? This was like no other concert <laughs> ever. And suddenly sometime along in the second set, I said, I am watching people create art right before my eyes. You know, this is way better than looking at a painting in a museum. This is like happening right now. <laughs> and yeah, I just saw every show I could after that. To watch art happen right before your eyes is pretty magical. Wow, Jocelyn, thanks. Brilliant. Did getting into the dead influence your art at all? Um, nothing that you could visually see. I mean, other than, yeah, I'm making tie-dyes. But um, <laughs> um, when you're looking at my paintings, you won't see anything. But um, it, does, it does really help me get into that really creative side of my brain. You know, um, there's a theory that we have a, um, like a rational side. It's the, the side of your brain that you know, finds your car keys and gets you on the road and to, to work and gets you through your day. Um, and then there's this creative side where language doesn't exist and um, time doesn't exist. And it's very, you know, very free and things just kind of pop in and out of your, out of your head, out of the blue. And um, it helps me get there. So if you're not thinking, you're in a good place. Oh yeah. Time stops. You're just in the moment. Yeah. John, do you find that to be the case when you're like up totally. there shredding? Totally. And that's exactly what happens. I think it happens in, in so many things, right? Like in psychology, I think they call it flow, right? Oh, I'm not a psychologist, flow, yep. but like it's no. that thing where just like you're so in a zone, everything else just sort of melts away. And I totally, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think you put it incredibly, Jocelyn, where like they're they're all trying to get there on stage and those times when they break through to it, it's so apparent to everybody who's there with them. Yeah. Like it kind of gets everybody else there too. 
I think that you still can the same way that you just said, like you can do it yourself as long as you are listening to it. Like when it's happening, even if it's recorded, right? They're getting yeah. there and you, yeah, can, you can too. Tell. What's your Jocelyn, like what's what's a recent one that you've just been going back to? Is there one that you've been like recently just, I keep finding myself going back to this show or this era or anything like that? Um, I usually listen to the era that I, I was there. You know, I, I, my first show was in 84. So, there's, you know, I'm usually listening to those 80s shows. But but also, I really enjoy Donna. So I do. I listen to a lot of those mid 70s shows like that 76 show I was talking about before. And then my boyfriend really likes Pigpen. So I hear a lot of early, early dead, too. Not a lot, but a fair amount. <laughs> That's a perfect compliment for you then. If you're into the eighties, get you yeah, know, both, both sides is. of the spectrum there. It's nice to get that change up. And, and uh, of course he likes Jerry Garcia band too. So I hear that too. So yeah, we get it changed up a little bit. <laughs> Thanks Jocelyn. Glenn is up one zero in the series and Jocelyn needs this one to stay live for the Charlie milkshake prize pack. And uh, John's got another great one for them. Let's hear it. The other one at Oakland Alameda County Coliseum on February 23rd, 1993. John, uh, another, another nice one there. Why'd you choose that one? This is an outlier show. I think probably everybody heard the, the sax playing there. And uh, my guess, or at least what I was guessing when I was putting together this list is that people will go, all right, it's one of the shows with Branford Marsalis, right? He came on five times. I think most famously is probably the show that was on uh, uh, Without a Net, which is 1990, right? So most people think Branford Marsalis, they think 1990. It's not Branford Marsalis. It's Ornette Coleman. When Ornette Coleman opened for the dead, because he went to a dead show and was like, what? Probably a similar thing to what you were saying, uh, Jocelyn, where he was just like, this is crazy. This is a rock show and these guys are doing this stuff. Like, this is what I do. I'm Ornette Coleman. <laughs> So he like got into the band and like met them and uh, and they hit it off and uh, 
they invited him and his band at the time to uh to play but it was uh yeah kind of an outlier 93 wow jocelyn guessed 1994 she was closer because glenn guessed 1990 i guess falling for the trap that john said exactly um jocelyn you tied up the series it's one one nice work one year off why 94 well i knew it wasn't branford because i recognized his playing um and i could not remember ornette coleman's name but or what year he played but i knew it was you know, later than 90. Um, so I just was like, is Bruce there? And I didn't hear Bruce. So I went 94. <laughs> Hell of a pull, Jocelyn. How did you differentiate Ornette from Branford? Um, I think that Branford's sound is a little bit more mellow, more fluid sounding, and this one's more high-pitched. Um, I don't know. If I listen to them side by side, I could probably articulate it better, but that's the best I can do right now. <laughs> John, you nodded along to her. Uh, oh, totally right on. Yeah, Branford is a smoother, is kind of like a smoother, like, player generally. He also, like, sits back a little more when he's playing with the dead. He's trying to find his spots and, like, meld with the band. He played with them a bunch, so he was very familiar. Um, and Ornette Coleman, I mean, he's just a free jazz guy. He's just, like, blow it as hard as you can <laughs> crazy notes you know what i mean like, yeah. it's a it's a pretty wild divergence but one thing i like about this clip is like you can hear jerry just trying to like go like he's doing all this chromatic stuff suddenly he's like he's trying to keep up with ornette coleman which is not something that basically anyone else on earth could could do except for <laughs> a very small handful of like other free jazz players you know so like props to him and the band for like we're not only going to do this, but we're going to like really, we're going to try, we're going to be open to it and we're going to start experimenting, which is awesome. It's the whole point. Especially in 1993 after, you know, 28 years. Um, Glenn, so 1990, did you think it was Branford? I actually knew it was Ornette, but I couldn't remember the year at all. Uh, and I thought I was hearing Bruce in there. So I thought, I, I thought it was later, but I couldn't, it's like, I know this I just can't remember when. And so I went with the Bruce factor and put 90, but I mean, such a great, the other one. <laughs> so good. Completely agree. All right. Well, we're going on to our ninth song here and what has just been an all time game. It's tied one, one winner of this one gets the Charlie milkshake prize pack. Let's hear the song. <laughs> Just to be 
So the song was The Wheel at Boston Garden on September 18th, 1982. John, that was a triumphant one. Uh, wanted to bring some late set or end of set energy uh, if I could. Maybe it won't. May, I can't. I don't know the score right now. Maybe this goes to overtime. But again, this is a show that I know that I felt like no one would ever pick this show because it has a lot of problems. <laughs> it's not like the best show that ever happened. But um, the wheel is actually pretty good. They like bring it around by the end of the show. And the wheel there, it's like, it's the way that the dead could like play a show that was like kind of an off night. Nobody's feeling it. Maybe they're all hung over. Who knows? You know, like, but like they still, by the end of the show can bring it together, bring the audience in. Everybody is really into it. The wheel is a perfect example of a song that allows them to do that. And just like in terms of me always trying to think of like, well, would I be able to get this one? Um, Brent sounds so revved up, man. So, so gentlemen, start, start your engines. You know, like it feels like late 80s Brent. He's just like raring to go. Uh, and it's not, right? So that was, the, uh, that was a little bit of the like try to throw people off. Yeah, you, you did exactly that. Glenn guessed 1988 and Jocelyn guessed 1986. So Jocelyn is the champion of Guess the Year. Congratulations, Jocelyn. Way to go, Jocelyn. Uh, huge round of applause. Great, great work. Uh, Jocelyn, why 86? Well, um, that sounded like my dad, um, which it wasn't. My first show was 84. But yeah, there was Brent. Um, he was right there. And um, so, yeah, I thought even I thought it might even be later than 86. I almost typed in 87. <laughs> so... And he's yeah. still going to beat me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Glenn, you thought it was 1988? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this was my day. I saw a lot of 82 shows. And now that uh, you say it, it's like, oh, I could hear it. But uh, I was, a lot of it was Jerry's voice did not sound early 80s to me. So, I think that was swaying me a bit. But yeah, you definitely, you got me on that one pretty bad. So, yeah. Uh, wow, that was a very, very fun game. John, excellent set list. Glenn, great work. Jocelyn, you ran through a nine-song gauntlet against a really good competition to take home the Guest of the Year title and the Charlie Milkshake prize pack. Congratulations. Bravo. Yeah, I, yeah, well I have done. to say that I was um, really concerned that I was going to get a, sh um, a show, your show, with all, the, all these jams with no vocals. And that I was going to fail, but I'm, <laughs> I'm worth it anyway. <laughs> I'm pretty wow. impressed with myself, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that was amazing, Jocelyn. And John, uh, again, excellent set list. Well, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. It was a pretty fun homework assignment. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before we go, John, do you have anything you want to um, plug with the band or anything? Uh. Yeah, so we're we're getting back into it. We were on a little hiatus, uh, and uh, and we're getting back into it. So I think we have a a couple dates booked coming up in the spring and summer. So uh, it'll be pretty fun. We're playing at our our favorite uh, pizza dead themed pizza joint in Altadena, California. It's called Side Pie. Uh, we're gonna be playing there. Uh, in May, May 21st. So it's a little ways off. People have time to to prepare. 
Uh, and then we're playing Jerry Day Dead Night at the Old Town Pub. Uh, shout out to uh, to Sean uh, Blues for Sala, who uh, who is having us. That's August 11th. He's uh, he's always been great to us, and uh, he's he stuck with us through a few years where we kept being like, we're gonna play this year, and then we he was like, here's a date, and then we're like, we can't play it. Sorry, man. So thanks, Sean. We're we are gonna play this one. I swear, uh, August August 11th. Yeah. Sean is the man. I've had the good fortune of uh, chatting with him recently. And yeah, Sean is, and he runs the Dead Night, as you mentioned. And uh, Side Pie, uh, where uh, Taper's Choice just played. Yeah, that's right. I will be at both of those. John, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Hey, hey Mike, before we go, can I, can I uh, do something and read a real short poem? Fuck yeah, of course, Glenn. <laughs> so I've got this whole series of poems about experiences on the road with Gravel Dead. And uh, I don't have a title for the series, but each of the poems just is the location, the, the venue and the year. So this is, so I just grabbed one kind of randomly out of this series I have. This is the Greek theater, 1985. I don't know if it was a good trip or bad the day my friend told me he was thinking of joining the Hare Krishnas. Vendors hawking wares, drummers pounding poly, polyrhythms, We'd wandered into the circus outside the show. The year of Reagan, come again. Clear California sun, dancers spinning, jugglers and hula hoops. But only later things got weird. When the drugs hit him and I was supposed to talk him down, but I didn't know if down meant from the acid or religion. Who was I to say? It was the last I saw of him. Perhaps he'd known all along what he'd do. It was a test, I'm sure. But who can tell if I passed or not? Amazing, Glenn. Is there anywhere we can read that your other poems without breaking into your house? You're right. right. <laughs> I don't have uh, this. The Grateful Dead series isn't published, but they're all. Uh, I have a book that came out called uh, Traveling Light that has a, the middle section is a, a group of poems called Stumbling Home from Woodstock. It's all about music and that kind of triggered these poems about the Grateful Dead. Do you want to give everyone your last name to help them find it? Freeman, Glenn Freeman. Great. Um, that was lovely, Glenn. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks. Thanks for letting me do that. Uh, and Jocelyn, will we see you next week to defend your throne? I guess so. <laughs> all right. All right. And Jocelyn, where can people find your art? So um, I have a website, spyjocelyn.com, where you can see my paintings. Um, there's some t-shirts on there too. And then I've got t-shirts and a bunch of tie-dyed stuff, um, silk scarves and different things on Etsy. And the Etsy store is by Jocelyn also. Awesome. All right, subscribe to Guest of the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For all the show links, including our new YouTube channel, you can go to guesttheyear.net. And if you want to be a contestant on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at info at Thanks so much to John Nixon for curating a hell of a set list. You can check out Richard Pictures on Instagram at Richard Pictures Band, and from there you can kind of find some good links. As he said, they're going to be at Side Pie and LA Dead Night at the Old Town Pub this summer. Thank you, John. And thank you to Charlie Milkshake for curating the prize pack. That is Mason's Cat. Uh, the company uh, inspired by Mason's Cat they make all kinds of very heady cat related merch thanks so much Mason thank you Charlie Milkshake shout out to Dylan for drawing all the posters thank you so much for listening 
Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our new champ, Jocelyn. And to our other contestants, thanks for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyway. And I bid you good night. Good night. Good night. And I bid you good night. Good night. Good night.